Welcome to session 22 of the Bible in a Year commentary. If you started this series on the 1st of January, then today should be the 22nd of January. Today we'll be looking at Exodus 16 to 18 and Psalm 22. But so far in Exodus, we've followed Israel's journey out of slavery. The Israelites who were once welcomed in Egypt now find themselves oppressed due to their growing numbers. Into this chaos, Moses is born. We read how he was raised in Pharaoh's household and how, as an adult, he murdered an Egyptian man. In the wilderness, he encountered God through a burning bush and is chosen to liberate his people. Then, back in Egypt, Moses and Aaron, his brother, asked Pharaoh to let their people go. Instead, Pharaoh increased their oppression. God countered this with a series of plagues, each targeting a different Egyptian deity. Pharaoh's stubbornness persisted until the final plague. At what would become known as the Passover, the Israelites marked their doorstep with lamb's blood. The Lord spared them, but took the Egyptian firstborns. We then read Israel's initial steps towards freedom, guided by God's hand and Moses' staff. God led them away from Egypt, avoiding the Philistines, giving them time to heal and grow. Moses honours a promise to Joseph by carrying out his bones. They reached the Red Sea, and as Pharaoh's army closed in, God parted the waters, allowing safe passage for the Israelites, but drowning the Egyptians. We then read how this led to a moment of praise and worship, and the Israelites celebrated all that God had done for them. But despite their newfound freedom and the miracles that God had performed, the Israelites' faith began to waver, with the very first sign of hardship. They complained about bitter water. God mercifully purified it for them, but there's a warning there that they must remain faithful. So let's jump in with today's reading, Exodus 16 to 18. Now that the people have left Egypt, they need to find some way to provide for themselves. They no longer have fields or farms to grow food. And though they do have livestock, if they're not careful, they'll end up eating all of their animals and not have anything to breed for the future. God steps in to provide for his people, but he turns it into a test to see whether these people are faithful to him or not. He coats the ground with a fine grain like substance and tells them to only take what they need, roughly about one and a half kilograms or three and a half pounds. Some people attempt to take more than that, ignoring God's command. But when they made it, they actually ended up with the exact same amount. God then asked them to not leave anything over. He wanted them to be reliant on him for each day. But again, they do not listen to him. So the food instantly is filled with maggots. Next, God tells them to gather double on the sixth day so that they can rest on the seventh. This time the food does last, but people still decide to go out to see if they can get a little extra. Finally, the people run out of water. And rather than trusting that God would provide, like he already has multiple times, they assume that God no longer cares. Their disobedience has turned into judging God. We see time after time the people disobey God, either because they didn't trust him or because they were greedy and wanted more. The issue that we saw time and time again in Genesis are still there. God's people are still choosing to do things in their own strength rather than trusting God to provide. The Israelites quickly draw the attention of other nations. The Amalekites were threatened by Israel's presence and to attack them. The Amalekites were descended from Esau, Jacob's brother. Look at Genesis 36 verse 12. Or Joshua fought, Moses stood with a symbol of God's power at the time, his staff. As he holds God's power up, the Israelites won. We soon see Hur and Aaron helping support Moses during this battle and ultimately the Israelites win. From this we can see the importance of lifting up the authority and power of God over our difficult situations, recognising him and not ourselves as the source of all of our victories. We also see the value of having good people around you to support you. Moses soon begins to struggle under the pressure of leading so many people. 
His father-in-law, Jethro, wisely recommends that Moses split this leadership up, appointing others to lead smaller groups of people. Make a note here that God uses Jethro, a foreigner, to give Moses great advice. In Genesis, we saw God's chosen man, Abraham, make poor decisions, and God bless an Egyptian, Hagar. In the same way, we now see God's chosen people, the Israelites, complain against God, while a Midianite, Jethro, is a source of wisdom. While we see God choosing the Israelites for himself, these books are very clear to point out that that doesn't make them any better than any other group of people. If anything, it just means they have a greater responsibility to be an example of who God is. Remember, that is the main goal of humans, to be representatives of God, to be his image. So let's just look at Psalm 22. Psalm 22 is one of the most famous of the lament psalms. It's the psalm that Jesus quoted on the cross. Have a look at Matthew 27, verse 46. Biblical lament is whenever a person takes their pains, hurts, and frustrations before God. It tends to include four steps, turning to God, bringing the complaint, making a request of God, and then declaring their trust in God. Throughout the psalm, we see the psalmist go back and forth between each of these. Sometimes they complain about their suffering. Other times they ask God to do something. And at others, there are moments of trusting in God before turning back to their suffering. The psalm is attributed to King David. It's a rich psalm, full of meanings and layers. The structure of the psalm is a chiasm, where the passage mirrors itself. Here's a summary of the structure, but I would always recommend checking out the written version of this commentary in the description to see the structure properly for yourself. And so we start with verses 1 and 2, God feels absent. Verses 3 to 5, God delivered our ancestors. Verse 6 to 8, yet I am worthless. Verse 9 to 11, do not forget me, God, of my youth. Verse 12 to 13, the enemies surround me. Then 14 to 15, my strength is worn out. And verses 16 to 18, enemies surround me. Verses 19 to 23, God deliver me from my enemies. Verses 24 to 25, God is faithful. Verses 26 to 27, people will praise God. And finally, verses 28 to 31, God is a king. While the idea of complaining to God can offend a lot of Christians today, it has a deep-rooted history in the Bible. Here the psalmist is letting God know that it feels like he has been abandoned. Why has God forsaken them? It's like he doesn't even answer them. The psalmist then pulls themselves back a little by focusing on God's past record. God saved and delivered their ancestors. They were able to trust in him and he never put them to shame. But then turning back to his own life, the two don't seem to line up. The psalmist's ancestors may have not been put to shame, but he sure has. He is mocked and despised, all for putting his trust in God. Again, the psalmist tries to pull himself back from the pit of despair. He reminds himself and God of all the times that he has been able to trust God in the past. This leads to him asking God to be close to him through these struggles. Then the psalmist mentions the strong bulls of Bashan, Psalm 22 verse 12. This reference might be lost to us, but at the time it carried a lot of meaning. Bashar was a place to the north of Israel that was linked to spiritual rebellion. It was where a lot of cultic worship happened in the northern kingdom, and it was also believed to be the site of one of the two golden calves made by one of the northern kings. Read 1 Kings 12, verses 25 to 53. For some, it was seen as the gateway to hell. So for the psalmist, the bulls of Bashan would have been an ancient Near Eastern equivalent of saying, the hounds of hell. It felt like the very forces of death and darkness were surrounding them. Which brings us to the psalmist's lowest point. Their strength is gone and they feel wasted away. It's at this point that the structure begins to reflect itself. Just as the psalmist felt surrounded by death and darkness, 
they are also surrounded by a more tangible threat of enemies, seeking to destroy them. Which brings us to the psalmist's lowest point. Their strength is gone and they feel wasted away. It's at this point the structure begins to reflect itself. Just as the psalmist felt surrounded by death and darkness, they are all surrounded by a more tangible threat of enemies seeking to destroy them. But now they've finally reached a point where they can reach out and hold properly to God in the midst of their pain. Just as they had previously asked God to not forget them, the psalmist now asked God to defeat their enemies. While they'd only been able to focus on their own worthlessness, now they turn to God's goodness and faithfulness. While God had been faithful to ancestors of their past, the psalmists and others will now praise God forever. The psalm began with the confession that it felt like God was absent and that his people were groaning, unable to find rest. It now ends with the declaration that God is king and his people shall prosper. Psalm 22 is an incredible lament psalm that works through some of the deepest suffering and turmoil that we can experience. But all the way through it models for us how to wrestle with these things so we can ultimately stand in who God is and trust in his goodness.